and you go around hugging perfect strangers because you just love life. That's the cancer fairy tale that we tell. Welcome to 100 Acts of Love, how to help when cancer strikes. Great tips and unique ideas on what you can do to support your friend with cancer. Hello, hello. Welcome to 100 Acts of Love. My name is Kim and I am your host. I'm so glad you're here. So today we're going to talk about the cancer fairy tale. And you're like, Kim, cancer and fairy tale don't belong in the same sentence. Well, actually they do because it's something that majority of people actually believe in. So before I talk about the cancer fairy tale, what it is, and tell you why it's just the worst thing, that's not the worst thing, but why it's so not helpful when you're dealing with an employee with cancer, I want you to take a moment and to make sure that you subscribe. Hit that little button down there so you don't miss a single podcast. I post podcasts every single Wednesday. The second thing I'd love you to do is go to 100xoflove.com. And click on book and purchase my book. It's called 100 Acts of Love, A Girlfriend's Guide to Loving Your Friend Through Cancer or Loss. It is filled with a hundred simple, easy things that you can do to support a friend or a coworker or a manager or an employee with cancer. And it's exactly designed that way. I wrote it and designed it so that people would know that you don't have to bring meals for 10 months in a row and that filling a car with gas is a great way to support or picking their kids up and taking them to a movie is another great way to support. Now, I do want to say it's a caveat. It is 2021. We are still in the middle of COVID. So, you know, filling the car with gas, don't do it unless you're going to wear a mask and gloves or have had the vaccine. So that's what we're going to say. All right, let's talk about the cancer fairy tale. So the cancer fairy tale is something that I didn't even realize that I believed in. And in fact, I believed in it all the way through my husband's death and even beyond it a little bit. And then one day, all right, it wasn't one day, but then slowly I started to get mad. I joined Clubhouse back in January, and I am launching a business, as you all know, I hope, to that to bring empathy into the workforce through showing simple and easy ways to support employees affected by cancer. And on Clubhouse, people are like, oh, I love what you're doing. That's just so great. It's so great that you were able to take this tragedy and turn it into something good. You made lemonade out of lemons. And I hate that saying. I hate that saying. First of all, lemons are freaking good, right? Lemons, I'll eat lemons all the time. I don't need to make lemonade out of them because when you make lemonade out of them, you put sugar in them. And sugar isn't always good for you. (laughs) All right, I'm going off for a second. But I don't like that saying because it, it completely doesn't capture what being a caregiver for somebody with cancer was about and what the cancer journey was about for my husband. And so I started to think about it and I started to realize we have this, we have, we all believe in this cancer fairy tale. And the cancer fairy tale goes like this. You get diagnosed with cancer. Tragic. You fight. You stay strong. You roar. You just get in there. You win your battle over cancer and then you have a new lease on life and the things that used to bug you before don't bug you ever again. And you go around hugging perfect strangers because you just love life. That's the cancer fairy tale that we tell. And here's how we're going to break it apart. The cancer diagnosis. 
There are a variety of different cancers that get treated in a variety of different ways. And yet, when we think about somebody with cancer, we think that they go bald, they lose weight, and they vomit all the time, right? That's what we think about. They're bald, they lose weight, they, they, they're nauseous. Oh, and they wear hair turbans if they're women, right? And they do wigs. That's the image we have of somebody with cancer. Now, I do a clubhouse room every Wednesday at noon with my friend Jody Barras. She's a Canadian, and she has stage four cancer, and she's living with it, and she's not bald. In fact, she's got beautiful blonde hair. When she shares her cancer diagnosis with someone, how someone says, gosh, you don't look sick, and like there's because we have this cancer fairy tale image in our heads of what somebody who has cancer should look like. So that's the first issue with this whole cancer fairy tale is not everyone's going to go bald. Not everyone's going to be treated with chemo. Not everyone's going to need weeks and weeks and weeks of treatment. There are cancers you get, they do surgery, they check you, you're done. There are cancers you get, they dose you with high dose radiation, you're done. There are cancers you get, you get three rounds of chemo, you're done. And then there are cancers you get where you get 16 rounds of chemo or you're in chemo for a year and a half. There are just such a variety of ways that people are treated with cancer. So the idea that there's this one image out there, that's part of the cancer myth. All right. The second part of the cancer myth, you're going to stay strong. You're going to fight. Rawr, you're going to fight it. Just get in there and battle it. First of all, cancer is not a battle. It's not something to be won or lost. And here's my issue with it, because my husband lost it. So when you, when you put cancer into terms of winning and losing the battle, you are basically telling me that my husband was too weak to win the battle. And you know what I got to say about that? No, he wasn't. And I'm going to defend him to my death. So when we put it in terms of that, we... We make it a thing that, like, it's it's almost like a, um, you know, it's it's a great military, actually, scenario. Because in the military, you think about it, they don't go into war 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No. They usually, at least from what I've seen recently, you know, they're, they're waging battles. They're going out. They're waging battles. Or they're being attacked. And then they come home and they rest. And they wage battles. They're attacked. And they come home and rest. So that's sort of the same thing that happens with cancer. But there's this idea that someone who has cancer must be this strong-headed, forceful person for their whole entire cancer treatment. And y'all, that's exhausting. I mean, think about weightlifters. Weightlifters go into the gym and they work out hard for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And then they leave the gym and maybe they'll go get a sandwich. Like they, they're not in there battling it all the time. And when you put cancer in the terms of winning the battle and fighting hard and staying strong, you're not only assuming that they have to do that all the time, but you are showing the person that you can't connect with them, right? Because... When you say that to them, you are separating yourself away from their cancer. And cancer is scary. I mean, it was terrifying to watch my husband, you know, have cancer. And, and it's terrifying for me to think about myself, my, you know, maybe having cancer. So cancer is really scary. But those people who can come into contact with that emotion and understand that cancer is scary, they're able to connect with the person who's affected by cancer on a much deeper level. And when you come in and say, stay strong, it just basically says, hey, not willing to connect, don't want to go there, you know, you got this, I'm not, I, I really don't care about your journey. You're not giving them anything. You know, the reason that we say anything to somebody with cancer is so that we can bring them a little bit of comfort. 
And when you say something like, stay strong, you got this, you know, don't give up. You're not communicating with them. You're not connecting with them. You're not inspiring them. You're basically, they're basically inside their head most of the time giving you the finger. Let's be really honest here. They're probably giving you the finger. So that part of the cancer fairy tale is just kind of baloney. And it doesn't give the person with cancer any space, any room to say, wow, I'm really tired. This is really hard. I'm really scared. I don't know what's going to happen next. I really don't want to die. Because those are the thoughts that the person with cancer is having. They're terrified. They're scared. And when you allow that space for them to share that, that's where the gift is. It's The gift isn't in telling them to be strong or to keep fighting. And honestly, what else are they going to do? You know, someone said, you know, Kim, you're so strong. You're being a widow. You just continued. Honestly, y'all... <laughs> It wasn't like I did anything special. I got out of bed every day and I put one pinky toe in front of the other. And some days that was all I could do. But you know, when you're in these, when you're entangled with cancer, it's not a battle. It's just something you do. You just, you get up one day and you put one foot in front of the other and you do what your doctor says or you don't. You know, you, you find, you find different remedies, you talk to your friends, but it's not like it requires any special strength. It's just the will to live. And most people have the will to live. Okay, so that's, so that is why I have problems with that middle piece of, you know, the cancer fairy tale. The idea that you need to stay strong and, you know, just get raw, just fight it through. Let's talk about the last piece. And the last piece is, you know, you're going to get through cancer and you have a new lease on life and everything's going to be great and you're just going to go around hugging everybody and you're going to be known as the huggy neighbor and that's going to make you famous and you're going to talk on stages all around the world because you're going to show people how your life turned around once you got through your cancer. And... For some people, that happens. But for most people, there's a lot of shell shock. There's a re- new diagnosis called cancer PTSD, which I did not know about, which I'm, I'm sure Art and I had. His cancer nearly tore apart our marriage. And that is on us. It's not like his, so I can't, so I can't blame it that way. I can't word it that way. Art and I almost let the cancer tear apart our marriage. Um, after he was cancer free, I'll never forget a couple days after he was diagnosed with, after he was proclaimed, you know, his cells were dying and there's no more cancer. He turned, we were in bed and he looked at me and he goes, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) We just started laughing. And for months we would turn, look at each other and go, what the fuck? Because it's this moment of like, whoa, you just spent, you know, he had spent seven months of his life focusing on living focusing on, you know, managing all these side effects that he was feeling, focusing on getting up every day. And, and then all of a sudden it was done. And both of us were kind of like, well, now what, right? Now what? And then after those moments where we in bed, we were in bed looking at each other, I got really disillusioned. I, I took our, you know, I got really resentful of his cancer. I wanted to move out. I wanted to, I was literally looking online for these little bungalows in West Hollywood Hills that I could live by myself. Um, You know, thank God for my friends who just said, you know what, you need to lean into this marriage. You can't, this is not the time to exit it. And so it was really hard. And the idea that you have this new lease on life because this horrible thing happened, 
it does happen for some. Um, and it sort of happened for me, but in a very different way and way later than you thought, than, than anyone would think. And do I think that life is precious? Do I walk around every day thinking, you know, gosh, this blue sky might be the last blue sky I ever leave? You know, am I kind to everybody because, you know, I might be the last person they see, you know? No, I'm human, y'all, and I'm not a very nice person sometimes. And I'm cranky, and my feelings get hurt, and I don't often, I don't forgive people, you know, readily sometimes. So, you know, did his death teach me to look on the bright side of things? Sometimes, but really it was more, it was more what happened after his death that drove it. So I lost my shit. I lost my shit. And I became suicidal and you know, when you're suicidal with three children, that's never, you suicidal in general, it's never a good thing. But I was literally contemplating leaving my kids orphans because I was just in so much, you know, mental pain from his, from his death, but also from the way I had been living my life. I was also an addict. I was an emotional overeater and and I'm a recovering alcoholic. And So all those things combined just made me think it's hopeless. And I started working with a man. You can go to his website. It's called RoyNelsonHealing.com. And I started working with him. And that is when I found gratitude. That is when I found the, 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 I can be that person who hugs the stranger on the street, except that it's COVID. So I don't do any much hugging, but like, I will say hi to somebody, you know, just because they're a human. I'm like, Hey human, I'm human too. So that's where, that's really where I touched in on my joy of life. That's from, it's from that program and from that work I did there that I learned to really appreciate everything that I have And do I appreciate everything all the time? Hell no, I do not. But I definitely appreciate more now than I did when, you know, after he died and while he had cancer. And so this notion that, um, this idea that someone who's dealt with something difficult in their life is going to turn around the other side and just be this happy-go-lucky, nothing-really-matters person is just bull. And that's the tail end of the cancer fairy tale. So you can see how this cancer fairy tale can really destroy and really interfere with how you support somebody at work who's affected by cancer. Like let's say you have an employee who's been through nine rounds of chemo, they've been out for six, seven months, or they're working part-time six or seven months, they finally get the all clear from the doctor, they come in, you guys, they come in and tell you, you guys throw them a huge, you know, congratulations party, and then you put all the work on his or her desk that he hasn't been able to get to for the past, you know, nine months that they've been dealing with this cancer diagnosis. It's extremely overwhelming and they're not back to normal. There are so many side effects from chemo. It does not just leave your system. It's not like, you know, Art had trouble walking after he was cancer-free because of the neuropathy that the chemo had caused him. You know, I think the other thing too I do want to mention, which I forgot to talk about, was pain. Um, when you talk about, you know, battling and rah, 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 you're not acknowledging the amount of pain, physical pain that people who are diagnosed with cancer are in. And Art was in pain. And to me, it seems so weird. They put this liquid stuff into his system that kills the cancer. So why would he be in pain? But it hurt his muscles. It hurt his bones. He was in pain. And that's something that we don't often equate with 
cancer is how painful it is to actually have treatment on your body, to get the chemo in your body, to have radiation put in, you know, on your body. So, um, so yeah, I think that's really about it. That's the cancer fairy tale. And that's what I want us to all be really aware of. When you speak to someone who's affected by cancer, when you talk to someone who has cancer, you know, just keep in mind that cancer fairy tale that we've all, look, we are all really engaged in it. We've all bought into it because it makes the cancer journey make sense to us. It keeps us from being fearful. It keeps us from, it, it makes us hopeful. It, 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 it keeps us from understanding and from feeling how frightening how very, very frightening it is to have cancer or to watch someone you love get entangled with cancer. So that's it. That's all I got for you all today. Thank you so much for showing up. Uh, one last thing, you know, if you want to know what five phrases to use to your friend with cancer and what five phrases never to say, then go to 100xoflove.com. Make sure that you, you'll click a little download and I'm sorry, you'll get a little pop-up and then you can sign up and you can get that instantly because knowing what to say and what not to say is the first step in being the most helpful employee, coworker, friend, manager, HR professional that you can be to somebody with cancer. So please make sure you go down there and check that out. That is it. I'm so glad that you all came by and visited me today. Thank you so much for being here. And lastly, I say this all the time and I truly mean it. Even when you're hurting, even when you feel like you're invisible, even when you think that no one cares, you're wrong. You matter. And maybe you don't know how you matter to your friend or your coworkers or to the guy on the street or to the target, the, the cashier at Target. You matter. You really, really matter. So please stick around. We like you. All right, y'all. I will see you next week. Bye.